And how many know God's got something new for you every day that ends in Y? <laughs> every day that ends in Y, he's got something new for you. It's today. But is there anyone in the house that can relate to this? How many, how many would say, if you're just being honest, I'm going to raise my hand first. You've, had, you've been a procrastinator in life for just a little bit. You've had, you wait till the last minute. Boy, there's a lot of us. Um, all right. This, see, I told you the Lord has something special for you this morning. Procrastinators live a little bit more stressed than they should. Um, things that should have been easy become hard because we waited till the last second, right? Anybody? I'm going to read to you a poem. It says, Gloria, this is by Gloria Pitzer. It has written this clever little poem. It says, Procrastination is my sin. It brings me naught but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. <laughs> Lisa Berry, the only time I'm happy about procrastinating is right now. It has no past value nor any future value. It's like the drug that pretends to make the world go away. Uh, so if you've been there, you know that feeling. Um, first of all, I just want to say thanks to Steve Sampson for coming last week. Amen. <laughs> I, I hope you guys got blessed. I, I know there's just, it's, such, it's so fun being a pastor, knowing a little bit about what's going on, everything, but a little bit about what's going on in your lives and to hear these words over you. It's just, it's just the greatest joy when God just speaks. He's so intimately acquainted with our ways. Every detail he knows about our lives. And sometimes it's shocking. You're like, yeah, I, I mean, you know this in your head, but then when somebody comes and shares with you, you go, man, Lord, I, didn't, I, I just, I forgot how intimate you are with us. And so I was, just, I was just thankful for his ministry. I always want to encourage people after we have prophetic ministry. Um, you know, nothing prophetic should be a surprise. Did you guys get that? Because God's speaking to you. If you're hearing and he's working in you and he's, he's beginning to uh, put things in your heart, desires, the Lord speaks to that. And there may be some added things, but God has always put, at least put the seed in your heart. Amen? And I believe that. And so then when, when that word comes, it's confirmation of what he's already began to speak to your heart. And so that's, and then you always take it. And these things don't just happen. There's conditions with many prophetic words. All right? So you need to know that. It, it, it's conditional upon us aligning ourselves with God's plan and his purpose and, his, and being obedient to his word. And so I just want to encourage you in that. And you got to wrestle sometimes with prophetic words. Yes. Hold on by faith until you see the promise fulfilled. Okay? So that's just to encourage you this morning. Don't give up. If you don't see it happen right away, you need to keep standing in faith and saying, Lord, you spoke this word over my heart. And I got confirmation in my heart. I know it's from you. I'm going to continue to believe God until I see it. Amen? Yes. Amen. Uh, well, we were blessed this week to be able to join the Northwest uh, Fellowship Regional Conference. We have it once a year in May, and it was hosted over in Port Ludlow. Beautiful place, even in the rain. It's still beautiful. Um, but, uh, you know, we're an independent uh, church, non-denominational, and so we believe it's important that we remain connected to the greater body of Christ. And over the years, how many years have we been in the fellowship? Over 30 years, right? 1992. 1992. Yeah. I was like in high school or something, but um, we've, been, we've been in the fellowship for a long time and forged these relationships with pastors and just been through stuff together and been able to encourage each other and been there uh, through different seasons of life. And I look across that room of pastors and I go, man, it's amazing what God has done in their lives. These are just all epistles read by men. I read, you know, God's, God's testimony in their lives is just incredible what he's been doing. And so just always an encouragement. And, I, and if you're new here, you might know that's not know that's what we're connected to. And uh, in several weeks, June 12th, we have Steve Holder coming. He's the president of our national fellow, international fellowship, and he's going to be speaking. You won't want to miss that. Yes, another Steve, yeah. but uh, very different Steve. So uh, you will be encouraged. He's a general in God's army, and I believe he's going to speak a word that's going to really bring faith and encouragement to us as a body uh, impartation. So if you got your Bibles, turn to... Hebrews chapter 3, and I really want to continue where I left off a couple weeks ago in this series. I didn't know if it would be a series, but it's kind of formed in that way, holding fast. Somebody say, holding fast. And this, this one really 
is with the emphasis of today. Today. You know, today, tomorrow will be yesterday and you'll have missed it. Every day presents itself with the new opportunities, new things God wants to do in your life. And so let's start in verse 7 as we do. Father, we just thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Speak to every one of our hearts this morning. We thank you that you're already moving here and you're already, Lord, you, your, our hearts are ready. We want to receive all that you have in Jesus' name. Amen. So it says, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoke me as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. How many know God has a rest for us? A rest for us. Maybe you didn't know that. Maybe that's news to you, but God has a rest for you. Many of us live restless lives, but there's a rest in the Lord that is, is available to the believer, and he wants us to fully enter in and experience it. And so when I spoke on last time holding fast, we... We left off with this verse, but if Christ was faithful as son over his house, whose house we are, is he over your house? That's the question this morning. Is he over your house? Does he have the keys or is he a guest? Come on. Over your house. Because if he's over your house, he's the best landlord ever. He's over your house. If we hold fast our confidence and the boast of our hope firm until the end. And that's what this is all about. Holding fast because we're about to go through some turbulent times. We've been through some, and I believe we're going to be through some more. And it's, it's important this morning that we grab hold of God's principles, what he's ministering to, what he's encouraging to us, encouraging us with this morning to hold fast. And what is, last time I spoke on considering our calling, and he, he opens this passage and he says, heaven, heaven, you are partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our faith. So considering our calling, considering Jesus, I mean, when we get our attention off of other things and we put our attention on Jesus, faith rises up. Faith rises up, church. You with me? Number three is considering his faithfulness. When we look at all he's done, you know, that helps me to learn how to be faithful when I consider his faithfulness. So that's where we left off, holding fast. And you know, I, I want to look at something in Deuteronomy because Moses spoke to the, this, this, this phrase is used through all, all throughout Scripture. Not letting go, but I want you to encourage you this morning. God's grip is greater than yours. How are you thankful for that? God's grip is greater than yours, but you, you, your part is to hold on by faith. Your part is to hold on by faith. And so that, this is to encourage you in that. And he speaks to Moses, Moses speaks to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy. He says, fear God and serve him. Hold fast to him. Then later in chapter 11, he says, for if you are careful to keep all this commandment, which I'm commanding you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and hold fast to him, Look, look what happens. There's the if, then there's the then. Then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. Come on. So holding fast really means keeping his commandments. Or as Paul said to the church at Thessalonica, he said, hold fast to the good word. Hold fast to the good word. That, everything he had preached, everything he had taught them, hold fast to that. Don't let go of it. It means loving the Lord with all your heart. So here we carry on in, 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 in Hebrews 3, 7. The author of Hebrews carries on. He's speaking of and he's quoting from Psalm 95, which was written by David. But he says, then the Holy Spirit says. What you see, all scripture is inspired. Men were inspired by the Spirit of God. How many know he's the author? He wrote it. It's inspired. 
It's from him. The Holy Spirit speaks this afresh to us today as, he, as fresh as it was a couple thousand years ago, even 3,000 years ago. And he pleads with us not to harden our hearts as in the day of rebellion, trial, referring to the children of Israel in the wilderness and how they rejected the Lord and his, uh, his purpose in their generation. And as a result, they died in the wilderness, not entering the promised land. How many know? And then in 1 Corinthians, Paul says these were given as, an examples, as examples to us. Don't do this. Are you with me, church? Don't do what they did. I want you to enter into the promises that I have for you. And so here it is. And he goes, this is preceded in Psalm 95. The verse that comes ahead of this is, it says, we are the sheep of his pasture. How many are glad you're a sheep this morning? It's <laughs> kind of a trick question. Sheep aren't brilliant, right? If you recognize what a sheep is, you, you recognize your need for the shepherd. So I won't go into that, but he's, we are the sheep of his pasture. And then in John chapter 10, Jesus is describing himself, the great shepherd, and tells us that the shepherd, I love this, he calls his own sheep by voice and leads them out. And that they will follow him because they know his voice. You know, this is true in reality. If you see a flock of sheep and they're under a shepherd, they, he calls them and they, they recognize his voice. It's a reality in the natural, but it's true, true to us that we would be those who recognize and know his voice. So when he says today, if you hear his voice, recognize him because we're a sheep, his sheep. He even alludes to the coming salvation of the Gentiles when he says he has sheep that are not of this fold that will hear his voice and become one flock with one shepherd. But then in verse 27, he says, my sheep, somebody say my sheep, hear my voice and I know them and they follow me see they there's the key he knows us they hear he we hear his voice and we follow him now he's just established the author of Hebrews has just established that 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 Jesus is greater than the prophets of old he's greater than the angels and he's greater than Moses if you were to look at the book of Hebrews and go, what it's about? Well, if Romans was the necessity of the gospel, Hebrews is the superiority of the gospel. <laughs> the superiority of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and the superiority of the new covenant. How many are thankful we have the new covenant? It's better, it says in Hebrews. It's superior. Um, but the children of Israel, they perished in their disobedience, and there is a warning to us. If they perish for their disobedience to Moses, hear me, church, how much worse will it be for us who reject the voice of God speaking to us through his son? So number one, I want four things this morning I want to share with you about that will help us to hold fast. And number one is keep hearing. Yeah. Keep hearing. Now, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, three times in Scripture you're going to see in this passage, he says, today. And here's, here's the thing. In Romans 10, 17, it says, faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. So when we hear his voice, faith rises up in us, right? Now here, the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking. The condition here is if you hear. How many know he's saying way more than we're hearing? But the frequency's jammed, right? There's other voices. There's other things we're hearing. You know, and, and, and many times we got to cut through that. we got to find the place of silence. And just as a practical thing to help in your daily life, in your daily time with the Lord. I hope you're having daily time with the Lord. And Sunday, you're not doing the Sunday only thing. That's not healthy. But in your daily time with the Lord, I, I, we leave time for silence for him to speak to us. Even as Steve shared last week, he was talking about marinating, getting flavor, 
right, in your life, in your devotional life with the Lord. Leaving time for him to speak to you because he says, today if you hear my voice. Now, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, this word for hear is shama. And this, this word means to hear, to listen to, and to obey. Okay, now it's not just that you heard the audible voice, but that you actually heeded it. That you actually listened and obeyed to that, that voice. So all that's encompassed in hearing from a Hebrew perspective. And so it's not just that, oh, I hear you. And you if you're a parent, you understand this. Come on. You, you, you give instruction to your child and you're like, okay, did you hear me? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but you're not doing what I just asked. The, the, the proof that you heard me is the obedience that follows what you heard. Every parent says, amen. <laughs> Help me, Jesus, to get this through. Whatever the word of God is saying to us, it is saying to us today, not tomorrow. It demands an urgent response here and now. See, this word today is is. Is, is speaking to us of urgency. It's speaking to us of warning. And it's speaking to us of promise. Urgency to hear and to obey. You see, many times as believers, we, God can be speaking something to us, putting something in our heart and saying, this is what I want you to do, or you need to deal with this thing, or I have this promise for you. And, and, and we do one of these. Tomorrow. He's saying today. See, delay can result in negative consequences. Delayed obedience can result in negative consequences. And the delay determines how long the duration you're going to be in that wilderness many times. Do you know that that trip that they took, right? It says in Deuteronomy, I believe it says that it was... The, the, the time from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea was 11 days. I've heard some people say it was 14 days. Anyway, either way you cut it, it was a lot shorter than 40 years. It was a lot shorter than 40 years. And so God had brought them a promise, right, that, that they would go in. You read this in Deuteronomy earlier that they would go in and he would dispossess those nations before them. He was going to bring them into a land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. And yet that was unnecessarily extended because of disobedience. You still with me, church? I know we've been here a while. Whatever the word is saying to us today, Martin Luther says, how soon, not now, becomes never. How soon, not now, becomes never. All right, you guys got quiet, all right? If you ever wondered why we put such an emphasis on the altar response here, let me just tell you why we do this. There's a why to this altar. Because when the word is preached, there's a need for us to respond. When God is speaking through his word, now listen, I'm preaching this, but I, some of you will come up to me afterwards and go, man, I loved it when you said this. And I'll be like, I didn't say that. I, I can show you my notes. I, I stick to them pretty closely. I didn't say that. But the Holy Spirit did. He says today, if you hear my voice, all over this place, the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you if you're hearing. If you're hearing. Now, the hearing comes with some sort of response, typically, when he speaks to us. I don't just let it go and go, I'll deal with that tomorrow. He's promised us forgiveness to our repentance, but he has not promised us tomorrow for our procrastination. Come on. Not going to be tomorrow. Not never. Let's do it now, the Lord says. And I, an illustration of this, D.L. Moody in 1871 was preaching to the largest crowd he had ever faced. He preached a sermon entitled, What Shall I Do Then with Jesus, which is called the Christ? It was from Matthew 27. He finished with these words. I wish you would take this text home with you and turn it over in your minds during the week. And next Sabbath, we will come to Calvary and the cross, and we will decide what to do with Jesus of Nazareth. That was the night of the great Chicago fire 
And by morning, much of the city lay in ashes. Many who were there that night perished. Moody said, I have never since dared to give an audience a week to think of their salvation. I've never seen that congregation since, but I want to tell you one lesson that I learned that, I, that night, which I will never have forgotten, and that is when I preach, I press Christ upon the people then and there and try to bring them to a decision that day. Pastor Bruce preaches in these remote areas of Africa, the missionary we support, Bruce McDonald, and he's told me stories of going into a villages in Congo, preaching the gospel, incredible responses. He leaves. The next day, militants come in and kill everyone. The urgency of today. Now, that's heavy. That's salvation there. But there's an urgency of today, even when he's speaking to us about anything, to respond to it. So we open this altar because we, there's a response of faith. See, he can only keep that which you commit to him. See, he can only keep that which you commit to him. So if he gives you something, he speaks to you something, sometimes there's a faith response that's needed to commit it to him so he can keep it. Jesus, one of my favorite stories, Jesus at Zacchaeus' house. He's coming through the town, and there's Zacchaeus up in the tree. He says, today I'm coming to your house. Come on. The tax collector. The last place you would think the Messiah would show up Pharisees sitting back going, what is he doing going to that house? You know that if a tax collector came in your home, they considered the whole home unclean? That's how much they were hated. And Jesus chooses to go to Zacchaeus' house, and he stood up and said to the Lord, after he'd been in the house, in verse 8 of Luke chapter 19, he stood up and said, Lord, Lord, here and now. Somebody say, here and now. I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Do you hear that? That's repentance. That is fruit worthy of repentance. And look at Jesus' response. He says, today, are you with me? Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. There's a today, there's a here and now response to what Jesus is doing. You see, he didn't, he didn't wait. It was immediate. Are we living a here and now faith response kind of life when God speaks to us about something offensive in our lives? Or do we immediately respond and repent or turn from it? Do we say we'll deal with it tomorrow or next week? Come on. The 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, For he says, In an acceptable time, I have heard you. And in the day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now, somebody say now, is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. He wants us to live this life of keep hearing, but hearing is doing. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers. Praise God. You guys still with me? Number two, keep yielding. Keep yielding. Do not, he says, do not harden your hearts. Now, it's a warning for us. And this hardening, it speaks of obstinate and stubborn. Anyone been like that? Yes. Me? I, 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 obstinate and stubborn. Stuck in my way. Not willing to shift when God's trying to speak. Stiff-necked is another one, word. Stiff-necked, sorry. I'm working on my English. Thank you. But we're to learn from past mistakes of the children of Israel in the wilderness. And it says, as they provoked me in the day of trial. In Exodus 17, we see the account of the children of Israel coming to camp at Rephidim, where there is no water. Now, I want you to understand something. God is leading them. Remember, there was a cloud by day, fire by night. I mean, there's, their whole life is miraculous. The day before this, the chapter before this, he provides them manna from heaven. And he says, I'm going to provide you fresh manna. Christy shared that this morning. She's in the spirit, right? Fresh manna from heaven. 
every day. Then on the sixth day, you, you would collect double so that you didn't go out on the Sabbath. And he says, I'm going to give them food, and I'm going to see if they will follow my instruction. So he tested them. And that was the first of many failures. <laughs> and then he leads them to a place with no water. They're saying, oh, come on. God wouldn't do that. The Bible says that he tests the hearts and minds. He tests us. And there's good tests, right? His test is not to bring evil. His test is to bring good. He's trying to prepare you. See, he's preparing you to go in and dispossess the nation, those nations that were there. You can't go in and dispossess if you haven't learned to follow his instruction. Come on. You don't want to have to go through the test in the battle. So he's testing to prepare you to get you ready to go in and possess what he has for you. And there's responses to the test. We can disobey and die in the wilderness. We can delay and stay longer than we should have. Or we can be like Joshua and Caleb, right? Say, hey, man. God is for us, and he, man, this is a good land. Man, it is rich. We're going to go in, and we're going to take it. God's with us. They saw something different. They saw it through the eyes of faith. They saw a different report. They didn't see what the other ten did. Oh, they're too big. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. Come on. See, they saw themselves in light of the giants, but Caleb and Joshua saw the giants in light of God. Come on. He's bigger. He's greater. The report of faith. Okay. So here they are. Got ahead of myself. Sorry. Therefore, the people quarreled. It says in, in, in Exodus 17, 2 through 4. They quarreled with Moses and said, give us water that we may drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? You see, every time I'm having a hard time as a leader, I go here. This is encouraging because I don't have Moses' problems. This was 604,000 men, which meant there was millions of people he's leading. And they're all complaining. Come on, let's just, let's just be real. I mean, just having two kids in the back seat complaining, it's hard to get to the destination. Two million whiners. And they're quarreling with him. Man, I'm like, whoo. He had to be the meekest man alive to do this. I mean, let's not get this wrong. Jesus is greater than Moses, but Moses was pretty great. He says, why do you test the Lord? Ooh. But the people thirsted there for water, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why now have you brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? I mean, did we just read Deuteronomy 11? That's not why he brought them up. Come on. Have we already forgotten? And I'm telling you, this, is, this can be a reality in our life. God gives you a promise and then circumstances come. The test comes. The test comes. Will you hold on by faith in the midst of the test? Will you hold on in, through the trial? Will you say, count it all joys when, joy when we encounter various trials because God's with me. And, I, and, and through this thing that I'm going through, God's going to bring strength and endurance so that I'm ready to go in and possess what he has for me. I can't do that passively. I can't do that being a welfare person. Come on. In the kingdom, nothing wrong with welfare, but in the kingdom, come on, I need to get hold of taking what he's given me. I am, he, 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 he does not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. He's not going to let them thirst to death. Come on. He had water for them. He had a plan. The question was, would they trust him? And instead they grumbled. So Moses cried out to the Lord saying, what shall I do with this people a little more and they will stone me? I mean, <laughs> things go bad to worse. Bad to worse. I mean, it's, it's terrible. In the chapter before, they'd been given manna. 
This was a day of trial. It was a day of testing. Now, remember, this letter's written to the Hebrew believers who, who knew this story well. And they were at risk of similar mistakes because here they were. They had been. It's likely that the persecution of these Hebrew believers had gone on for 25, 30 years. And it's wearing them thin. Look, we haven't dealt with that, guys. Let's just be honest. And they're being pressed, and their temptation, right, is to go back to Moses, to go back to, those, to the law. And he's saying, no, don't do what they did. Come on. God's with you. His promise still is for you. And it says, where your fathers tried me by testing me. Okay. Another lesson parents learn. I set this boundary here, and my kids go, right? Is, the, is he going to do what he said he was going to do? Come on. This is, is, is going to be a parenting class this morning. Is he going to follow through on what he said he'd do if I, don't, if I do what I, I, he told me not to do? Right? That's the try me by testing me. That's what it means. They had been warned, and yet they were trying God. Let me see. Let me just tell you this. When you're in a moment of being tried, don't try God. I don't recommend it. Zero stars. Not recommended. He gives you one thing you can test him in, right, Pastor Sam? Malachi 3, test me in this. Tithes and offerings. Everything else, believe him. And believe him in that too. Amen? All right. So he said they trusted him. He said his name in verse 7 of Exodus 17. I'm trying to move. Wow, it's long. Okay. He named the place Massah and Meribah because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel became because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? See, Massah means tempting or proving. And Meribah is this, means chiding or strife. See, they were quarreling with Moses. It was named, that place was named after their behavior. (laughs) This is always the temptation for us when we encounter trials to question God's purpose and what he's doing in the midst of it. But see, holding on, holding fast in faith means I'm holding on through that thing. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to trust God. Stephen, preaching to the council Sanhedrin in Acts 7, he said, You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, always resisting the Holy Spirit, you are doing just as your fathers did. He had just recounted this whole story of the children of Israel to this council, and they weren't happy about it. I mean, you talk about tough crowd. They were, they were, what was the word that they were, they were, jawing at him. They were doing all sorts of crazy stuff. They were looking at him like they wanted to kill him. I'm like, I'm glad I didn't get that preaching assignment. Come on. And he follows that with stoning, right? They were gnashing their teeth at him. But then he says, they saw his work for 40 years, but they never knew his ways. I want you to see this. They saw his work for 40 years, but they never knew his ways. See, there's many people who have experienced and been blessed by God doing miracles in their lives and doing things for them. But he wants you to get to know his ways. He wants you to get to know his ways. See, when you're intimate with somebody, you know his ways. Moses could plead with him. Moses' prayer was, God, show me your glory. God, show me your ways. That's our cry. Show me your glory. Show me your ways. I want to know you intimately. The children of Israel, he wanted it for them, but they didn't want it. They never knew his ways, it says. That's a sad testimony. Let us not be that people, but let us be a people who just like Moses cried. Show me your glory and show me your ways. They did not enter his rest. That was the outcome. He says they always go astray in their hearts. You know, and that's, they were not only wandering in the wilderness, but they were wandering in their hearts. 
back to Egypt. Somehow they got selective memory loss. You guys had that before? You, this, Satan comes to tempt you with things from your past, and he only tells you the, what's good, the fun part. You forget the slavery, the bondage. See, that's the deceitfulness of sin. He comes, he's like, no, this thing, don't you remember how fun it was? You're so bound up now in this God thing. It's just keeping you trapped. You need to go be free and do this thing. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. Go back. See, he wants you to wander astray back to Egypt. Back to that world where you came out of. Come on. How do we know our hearts are being hardened? I'm almost done here, hopefully. We stop being moved by the word of God. Did you hear that? Inoculated to its power in our lives. We lack conviction or not being encouraged by it. We stop loving others. And we move away from fellowship. We isolate. We become bitter and ungrateful. There's so many examples when your heart's getting hardened. Let me just... Warren Worsby puts it this way. He goes, what does it mean to harden your heart? It means to see clear evidence of the hand of God at work and still refuse to accept his word and submit to his will. Did you hear that? There's some, some are like, well, if I could just see this, God do this. No, and God knows your heart. He knows I could do that and you'd still be hardened. You know, he went to his hometown, Jesus did, and it says that he didn't do many miracles there because of their unbelief. What would that have done? He does great miracles and they're full of unbelief. Hardened. Hardened. Listen to this, church. Don't be the person who sits in church every week not responding. Don't get hardened. Let your heart be open. Let him soften your heart with his love, his grace, his mercy. Don't miss a chance to respond to his word, to his call, to his invitation. That's because every time we do, we get a little bit harder when he's speaking directly to us. It means to resist him by showing ingratitude and disobedience and not having fear of the Lord or his judgments. Hard-hearted people say with Pharaoh, who is the Lord and that I should obey his voice? Listen to this part from Warren Wiersbe. He says, the same sun that melts the ice also hardens the clay. It all depends on the nature of the material. Here's the antidote, church. James 1.21 says, Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all the remains of wickedness and humility... Somebody say humility. Receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. It's able to save your souls. In verse 12, Hebrews says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. You see, it's not falling away from religion. It's not falling away from a social club. It's falling away from the very living God who wants relationship with you. Don't let that be in you. And then he says, verse 13, to emphasize that it's not, you're not just concerned with your own heart condition, but because you are a member of the body of Christ, you must take it upon yourself to be concerned with the spiritual condition of your brothers and sisters. I don't come to church just to get, you see, that's a limited place of growth. I come to church because I want to encourage somebody. Come on. And there's some days I need to be encouraged, but there's some days I want to bring an encouragement, a word. Man, let every one of us come with a psalm, a hymn, something to encourage somebody. That's church. Come on, church. Today, so he goes, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. 
take care of brothers. You see, there's, Jesus says, take no thought for anything. He's talking about worldly concerns, but these are the kind of things we concern ourselves with. These are the kind of things we worry about. I don't have to worry about my clothes, my raiment, my housing. God's got that covered. He's going to take care of that for me. Amen? How many know he's faithful? He takes care of the birds. He's going to take care of me. But I can, these are things I need to concern myself with. We need to play, place, pay close attention to the condition of our heart. What's going on in the inside? Many of us are going through stuff and we don't take time to check the engine light. Your heart's saying something and there's, there's things going on and God's trying to speak and we just keep driving and pushing through. Anybody done that before? We just keep going through life and we're not letting him check the engine. In that time of devotion, there's a time of examine. There's a time of Lord examine me. Search me, God. And see if there's any evil way in me. Opening our hearts to him like David did in Psalm 139. Come in, Lord, search. Ask ourselves, have we allowed ourselves to begin to fall away or if we've given way to unbelief in some part of our lives? And so number three is this. Keep believing. I know that's simple, but that's an endeavor. It's an endeavor to keep believing. Everything in this world is against your faith. And everything you hold true in the gospel, that the the devil, the world, the flesh, people around you are going to come against it. So you're going to have to keep believing no matter what you go through. Now, unbelief is insidious. It comes from multiple sources in our lives. Worldly influence, wisdom of the world, religion, and religious traditions family influences you know what that's why jesus said this i've said it before but it's worth repeating and that's when he speaks the sermon on the mount he says you've heard it said but i say to you that's him correcting some of those things we have our own if you know that we have our own like every family has values and some values are good and some are not come on if we're honest We've learned some doctrines from our families and from our upbringing that just need to go. They're not biblical. And they bring unbelief. Deceitfulness of sin, he warns this. He says, the writer adds that there's another cause here. Satan is masterful at deceiving us. Look, I'm not trying to give him airtime, but let's be honest. He's smarter than you. He's not smarter than God. Thank God for that. But I can't defeat him without him. And the moment I think I'm going to try to outsmart him, I'm done for. Because he has been doing this for thousands of years. He's got his game down pretty tight. He knows where your weak point is, and he comes at you right at that weak point. That point, it may not be a problem for somebody else, but he knows where your weak point is. Maybe it's procrastination. Um... Whatever it is, he comes at and he keeps hitting that spot. You need the grace and the power of God. You need the armor of God to be able to stand against it. He's a deceiver and he comes to bring us into deceitfulness. Harden our hearts through the deceitfulness of sin. And trust me, that's going to, there's that temptation is going to increase in these times. Fourth, and I'm finally finishing, keep encouraging. Turn to somebody and say, keep encouraging. How many, you know, if you hear his voice, we'll go back to that, right? His voice many times comes through others. I love what Steve shared last week about how he was praying and then God yawned. Because he's praying all about himself. He said, I heard God yawn. (laughs) Makes me laugh. But... I'm sure he does yawn, right? I don't know. He doesn't get weary. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's scriptural. But, um, but he was bored with his prayer because it's all about him. I've been there. We've all been there. The me planet prayer life. Oh, Jesus, bless me. And 
There's this whole other world of people who need what you have. But encourage one another. I wonder, if, I wonder what church is like if all of us like got ready in the morning and we're praying. We're like, Lord, you got a word for somebody. There's somebody I can encourage this morning. There's somebody who's going through it. Every morning in prayer, he'll give me a name if I ask him. If I hear, if I yield, if I believe, he'll give me somebody. He wants to talk to you. He wants to talk to others through you. Okay, you getting this? All right. And let's, let me just say this. You're not going to be able to hold fast solo. Now, see, I'm looking at the rock climber here, bro. And, and I know the good ones so, supposedly do it solo, but there's even somebody there filming. So they're not doing it solo. Come on. Right? They got a support team. They're not doing it solo. They're not going to reach the top. What's the Yosemite rock? What is it named? El Capitan, right? It's like, is it 2,000 feet or something? It's something crazy. They're not reaching that without help, support, people around them. You are not going to achieve and reach God's purpose and life and, and destiny in your life without some help. Come on. Would you just acknowledge this morning that you need some help and that you need your brothers and sisters and that each part should supply? Each part needs to supply. And this word encourages parakaleo to call on, entreat, exhort, to pursue some course of conduct. Every one of us needs people in our lives. I'm, I'm almost done. Needs people in our lives who are willing to let talk to us. Why don't we stand real quick? I'm going to close. I promised it four times, so for real this time. We need people in our lives who know our stuff. Yeah. I won't go into the story. I could go on the story of Naaman, right? And Naaman was asking for healing from leprosy, and the word of the Lord came, and he used to go wash himself, and he says, no, I need to, you know, you just wave your hand over me and do something. I know I'm not going to that dirty river. But there was a servant that knew his butts. So you got to have somebody in your life who knows your butts, <laughs> who knows your excuses, who knows you for who you are. We need, we need to have those relationships. We can't do it apart from that. Somebody who we're willing to let speak to us, encourage us, who, are, who, are, who we allow to come and say, hey, I, I've just been concerned about you, and they see you kind of going astray. Come on, if we're being real, all of us have those moments. Trial comes, and it's getting hard, and you're just having a hard time holding fast. You need somebody. To come with an encouraging word. You need somebody to come speak something to you. I wonder, man, this thought just hit me. I wonder if we get to heaven and there's going to be some people that are like, well, they didn't make it. See, they need some encouragement. They went off the rails. And you're like, I was there. I could have. I could have. Don't let your life be a coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? Be faithful if you will hear his voice. Allow him to speak to you. Allow him to speak through you. Encourage somebody. Keep hearing. Keep yielding. So let's just do that right now. Holy Spirit, we're going to yield for just a moment before we close this morning. I don't know if, Christy, if you could just come on the keys. Thank you so much. Can we just lift our hands? Lord, we yield to you this morning. Lord, this morning we want to be first responders when you speak. 
We want to be those who will hear your voice. We thank you this morning, Lord, that you, we are your sheep. We hear your voice. We won't follow the voice of another. But, Lord, you are our great shepherd. Thank you, like Holy Spirit, that all over this place you're speaking right now. I wonder if even before the, she plays the keys, if we just take a moment and just wait. We incline our ears to you, Lord. We say, speak for your servant is listening. Speak to our hearts. See, I know us Pentecostals and Charismatics, we don't like silence. We just feel like we've got to fill the void, but he wants to speak in the midst of us. He says, be still and know that I am God. So if you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit's been speaking to you about something and you need to, just by faith, respond. This altar's open. No music, not for just, just for a moment. Sorry, just for a moment before we do that. Come up here right now. Today. Today, if you hear his voice. Today, what is he talking to you about? What is he reminding you of? What is he speaking to you about? What needs to change? What needs to, you need, do you need to respond to this morning? Lord, we say yes. We say yes. Jesus. Jesus. If you're here this morning, you've never, ever truly committed your life to Christ, made him Lord, responded to him, received his gift of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't leave. No one can promise you tomorrow. But if he's speaking to you today, I want you to run to this altar. Say, yes, Lord. Make him Lord of your life right now. There's more, church. Somebody here like Zach, Zacchaeus, there's going to be a restoration that takes place. But it takes a here and now moment for you. This altar's open to respond. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for soft, open hearts to you, Lord. 